it's one thing to read books about walking with the Lord and knowing him out of, you know, brokenness or whatever. But it's another thing when you know the crushing, you know, mm. that scripture that says uh, the, the broken and contrite spirit, the Lord will not turn away. That contrite word, I think it's in the Greek, means splintered. And when that means absolutely there is nothing left, you know, in the context of that word, it's like, ah, this is this has come apart in every way. But out of, out of that place of deep crushing and brokenness is the sweetest knowing him. There's nothing as precious as being in that place with him. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. This is Greg and Stefan. Hope you all are doing well. Today we are blessed to be joined by Nancy Granquist. She is a prolific singer and songwriter who has ministered around the world for a number of decades through preaching and music. She is a wonderful woman of God, and we're so grateful that she joined us here today on the podcast. We actually had her husband on, Richard Granquist, uh, a couple months ago. I think it was episode 51, and they both agreed to come back on to talk to us about marriage. I don't know if, if you remember in that episode, if you heard it, he talked about that they've been married for over 50 years. So that would be such a blessing to have them on and to learn from all of their wonderful experience. It's going to be an amazing episode. But let's deal with the one here right now yeah. with, with Sister Granquist. And, uh, but before we get to that, do we have any reviews? Yeah, we, we, have a, we have a five-star review out of oh, Australia. It nice. starts off with great listen, would recommend. A really good apostolic podcast. Listening to Brother Greg and guest speakers have really encouraged, uplifted, and motivated me to be a better Christian. I love listening to stories and testimonies of guest speakers, which are full of wisdom and experience. A great listen. And that was from Becca. Thank you, Becca, so much for those kind reviews. Yeah, thank you, Becca. Thank you for taking the time. And for anyone out there that, that is willing to leave us a rating review, we have over 50 ratings now, which is awesome. And uh, quite a number of reviews, and we're so grateful for every one of you who takes the time to do that. So thank you, Becca, for that. We also want to encourage you to share the podcast. I know it's not easy. Um, have you ever tried to share a podcast? Yeah, this one. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Good, great answer. <laughs> it's not easy. You know, they uh, even the share buttons from Apple Podcasts, Spotify are not great. But um, we would like to encourage you to share the podcast if you get yeah. something out of it, exactly. or maybe even one of your, your favorite episodes from the past. You know, and if you do, if you do it, uh, besides sharing it to your friends via text or whatever, if you do decide to share it on social media, make sure to tag, tag us on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to see that and to share it around as well. But yeah, share. You know, sharing is caring, right? As Reagan says. That's what Reagan says. <laughs> uh, well... Uh, now that we've covered all of that, let's get to this great conversation that I was blessed to have with Sister Nancy Granquist. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Sister Granquist. Thank you for having me. I'm really privileged. I feel privileged and glad to be here. We were blessed to have your husband on a few weeks ago now, I think it's been a little over a month. Um, and uh, when I was setting that up, he said that you would be willing to come on. And I was like, oh, we'll be able to have Sister Granquist on the podcast. That would be amazing. So mm -hmm. I, oh we goodness. really are appreciative of your time setting it aside and meeting us here today. I like to start off these conversations by getting to know the guest a little bit for those who, who may not know you. So if you wouldn't mind, Sister Granquist, sharing a little bit about your background, where you grew up, how you yeah. uh, first came to the Lord, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was born in Santa Rosa, California. It's, it's Sonoma County. Now it's become the wine country of, of uh, north, northern California. It's just about an hour north of San Francisco. But uh, I was born, um, wow, a long time ago, actually. <laughs> but uh, I, my mother um, started church when I was about 18 months old. And... Uh, 
it was a small church. It, it was the the entire time that I was growing up. It was, it was just a smaller congregation. Uh, my dad didn't serve the Lord, and it was a it was a pretty rough time, I think, for my mom. She was she was really alone, but she was oh my goodness, she was a champion of the faith. She loved mm-hmm. the word. She was a scholar. My whole life, just the rooms were stacked everywhere with with books, and and so. It was it was caught more than taught. Mm. I I just knew about intercession because I would hear her in her bedroom interceding and and praying like, um, you know, it, it was just a powerful way to grow up. It was kind of lonely. There was no young people. Uh, mm. When I was about 13 and a half, I'd been in, in um, been an orchestra, played cello, piano. And I had an opportunity to go to Juilliard for a summer. And um, I came home and my my professor or whatever, he, he called my mother and said, you know, this will happen, a free scholarship for the summer for her to study. And I, there wasn't even a thought about it. My mother said, no, she's not going. Um, oh, I have raised her to sing and play for God. And I don't want her to get off track in her young life. And so she said, no. And, and, you know, I appreciate, I mean, I trust, I trust when a parent has a word from God, I I feel like it's, it's such a powerful um, direction Mm. for, for us. And, and, you know, I, I respected my mother. I didn't even look back. It was just like, okay, she said no. So, but um, in this small church there were like four guitars and they were all tuned in the different to you know so i'm eight years old and i get up to play the songs for my mom to lead the worship service in those days brother greg was called uh song leaders it wasn't worship leaders and and mother would get up and lead and her favorite key was d so i tried to figure out everything in the key of d but we had these guitar players and they all their guitars were tuned different It, it was just chaos but you know and they were pretty tough on me they were they were because i was taking classical music i i took i studied 12 years classical and i took jazz for a couple of years but that they thought i was worldly because i played i played like just phrases in these you know old gospel songs i would do a beethoven feel like an overture kind of thing into these songs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they did not like me at all. But you know what happened from in my life, just as eight years old, at eight years old, um, I learned about criticism mm-hmm. and I, I learned about uh, people's attitudes, condescending and hurtful and whatever. And, you know, it was a tough, it was kind of tough then. My dad wasn't there to support me because he just didn't go to church. And mother was, was more stoic and she didn't try to defend you know so i just was kind of on my own but it was really a, a wonderful time for me to grow in god and and to allow the lord to work through people's criticism in my life even as a child mm. and um i value even today i value when people criticize me can you believe people criticize me at 70 years old not possible. Not but, possible. But even um, even today, when when I get a word of criticism or oh whatever it is, you know, I really look at it, and I try to figure out is is there some value to this? Mm. And I I really try to look at myself. I I want to be the best part of myself in God that I can be. So I'm going to take the critics' words and I'm going to say, does this is this me? If it is, I need to change. But if it's not, then I'll just blow it away like the chaff. And I'm not going to hold bitterness or I'm not going to hold anything against those people. It's their perception. And always, I think they just don't know me. Yeah. Because if people really know me, um, you know, they will, they will, I don't know, not saying that I'm, oh, Lord, I'm far from finished the finished work. But um, I really try 
to acquiesce to what God is doing in my life. Sometimes mm. God uses people to do that. Yeah, yeah, true. Sometimes God will use people to yeah. help you grow. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me That's right. of, of the, the vine. If the vine's not producing, he'll cut it down. But even if it's producing, he'll still prune it. So it'll produce even more. So yeah, none of us are, none of us escape the pruning process and, and hopefully oh, no, we don't. And some of us have to have more severe pruning than others. <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> true. So you had an early entry into ministry through through music, and then obviously yeah. uh, you preach as well. So you you do your music ministry is, um, I guess, what most people might know you for. But you you also preach and, and do everything like that. How long have you been serving in ministry and to what capacity? So I, I noticed that a little bit there, but well, I don't know. Maybe. That's, you know, I started playing in church when I was eight. Mm. Uh, I started on the street corner right across from the Santa Rosa mission. I started playing accordion when I was about eight for street services. Wow. So I, I guess you could say I signed up for God's mission when I was <laughs> eight years old. But it was, I'm telling you, Brother Greg, it was a passion mm. in my life. I loved Jesus and I loved his work. It was, it was a deep fire in me, even as a child. I had this overwhelming passion to do something for God mm. and to love him and help people to know him and love him. My mother, every week, Brother Greg, she filled up just about every week. She filled up our car with um, homeless people or nearly homeless. Our car was filled with people constantly. Mm. She was reaching out to the marginalized, to the widows, to the orphans. And that was my, that was my education in yeah. serving God. There was no... You know, Brother Greg, there was no like, oh, we're going to go to church. We're going to have a choir. We're going to have fabulous music. Oh, I got so many friends. There was none of that. There was, there was nothing. It was, it was really, <laughs> it was bare bones Christianity. Mm. Yeah. And my pastor was pretty, he was, you know, pretty strict. Um, we, yeah, yeah, he was strict. <laughs> but I loved it with all of my heart. So, yeah, yeah. just about all of my life, I That's have awesome. loved to serve. And and obviously, you could tell that your mother had a tremendous impact on you when it came to ministry, when it came to serving the Lord. And then you have transferred that impact onto your own children. And so I was wondering what advice would you give to parents who have young children that are, are wanting to serve in ministry because you guys... Uh, going back to our com my conversation with Brother Granquist, you guys were evangelizing, you know, f right out of Bible school, went into yeah. church planning, and and so you guys have always been heavily involved in ministry. Yeah. What yeah. advice would you give parents when it comes to uh, being in ministry, but also having those young children? Well, first of all, Brother Greg, I wish I could do this over, but we felt so committed to people that that if we were on a vacation you know we had four days like when we were in bend oregon and we we rented this house with all four kids and we were so excited we were going to do canoeing and all these things and we'd been there a day and a half and somebody that wasn't even in our church but we had been going to pray for her uncle who was at stanford university hospital who was not a believer but she called and said, he died. Can you come and do his funeral? Mm. So we, we packed up the kids and everything and drove to Stanford Hospital, drove back and did his funeral. And, you know, I regret that so much because we never had another chance to go, you know, to any place like that, Bend, Oregon, or with a with the river and do all those things we never had as a family mm. we never were so my advice is oh my goodness you know 
when people call with emergencies and you have kids, little kids or bigger kids, it can wait. Mm. That's good. The tyranny of the urgent. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but people will call upon ministry and say, you've got to do this. No, no, we don't. Mm. You know, we, we have people that can go and visit or take care of whatever. When you're with your family, they are the main thing your kids and never compromise that because the time that you have with them i mean here i'm at 70 all the kids are all grown they have kids we have 15 grandkids and they're all over the world and we don't get to see them very much mm-hmm. and um i mean we did a lot we you know through the years we did stuff with the kids but i look back on specific things and i'm like i wish we would have just said no we have our family we have our kids this is the most important moment right yeah. now. Mm. And don't compromise that because a lot of times you never get it back. Mm. Yeah. The other thing is, one of the things I think that I did, Brother Greg, in my kitchen, because I was always cooking, you know, we always had a lot of company and pastors, missionaries, whatever. But you know, I, I would I, get my pops- I love following your Instagram account and, and seeing <laughs> your cooking you. and, and just salivating um, you know, all the amazing food that, <laughs> that you make. <laughs> but I would get pots and pans out and spoons and, and we would have a band in the kitchen. That's awesome. And we'd have, you know, worship sets in the kitchen. They were little, but they would all play their drums or their musical instrument or whatever. And we'd have victory marches through the house. <coughs> This wasn't just for entertainment. Mm. I was teaching them from the beginning how important their expression of worship, praise to God is. Mm. And I wasn't worried about it. I wonder if they'll be able to sing or play or whatever. I was just wanting to give them a strong foundation of the most beautiful thing in the world is to worship and praise God with all of your heart. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And yeah, we, we try to do that as well with our kids, you know, uh, make it a priority. Uh, you know, obviously our kids are like any kid. They they love the latest uh, Disney album, you know, Encanto is <laughs> yeah. the one right now, or they love, you yeah. know, all these kids' songs. And But I try to make it a point that, yeah, you can listen to that. You know, I'm, I'm not an ogre, but, um, you know, we want to listen to worship music as well in the car and we want to sing worship songs. Yes. And, and we want to have so that. Good. Yeah want to have that for the kids when they're young because it's such a foundation for them you know when they're when they're getting older they're going to go back to moments like that they're getting the word in them through music through singing and obviously my wife is very musical so it's important for us she's fabulous your (laughs) wife is fabulous yeah she is so what advice would you give someone who feels the call to ministry we we talked about uh, parents those who are actually involved in ministry and they have kids but I'd like to make it a bit broader. So someone who's wanting to be involved in ministry, feels the call to ministry, uh, what advice would you give them? What is something that, that, that they should work on, especially a woman who feels the call to preach in particular? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> well, that's an interesting question, Brother Greg. I, <clears throat> I'm in UGST in their master's program, and I'm just collecting have to do, I don't know, 15 page research, 18, I don't know, uh, in the next month. But I've been collecting um, from every source that I can uh, information about Lucy Faro. And okay. she's, they call her the mother of Pentecost. But um, I'm interested to see the influence of women leaders, preachers in the Pentecostal organization. I think one of the things, Brother Greg, that sometimes women feel like they have to preach a certain way or have a certain look or whatever, I think it's critical that women preachers retain their feminism, mm. uh, that they're feminine, uh, that they, you know, were made to be elegant and beautiful and all of that. And I, I do think that... Um, I think it's just critical in our role that we remember that we are created women, feminine, 
not that we can't be powerful. I mean, goodness, Sister Freeman was one of the most powerful women I'd ever yeah, known. Yeah, she was. But but she was very feminine. And, very. there, you know, there's Vesta uh, Mangan. I, I could go on and on the list. And I I really feel I'm mentoring a young girl right now. Her name is Jordan Parks. She's she's in my UGST classes. And she was just elected president of UGST. Wow. I call her Madam President. <laughs> but uh, I... But I... I encourage her all the time. She's 24. But I encourage her that she will lead her generation as she preaches and, you know, as she finds her way. She's just very young. But experience helps us to be developed. And we are more confident, you know, in who God has called us to be as we practice. Right. And rehearse, but I I think I think there's such opportunity in the world today, especially for our women, young women, to take their place in in among you know the I don't know the status of preachers or leaders or or whatever. I just feel like there's such a need. I feel like there's such a need for a woman's voice. I mean, your your amazing leader, Sue Downs, and your sweet mother-in-law, mm. Gina Gretsch, they are, they are profound leaders of women in ministry. Yes, they are. Because they're yeah. deep, they're deeply spiritual and, and deeply insightful and filled with wisdom and, and the discerning power of God. But you never get the feeling like they're lording it over people. They're very, the humility of their mm. lives calls people in. You know, there's, there's no walls in, and people just come to them and they see the residual of their prayer life and their fastings and the way they love God and people. And I think that that is so necessary for mm. a for a ministry, I don't care what it is, women or men, ministry. Yeah, of course. To have a true humility. And and God does something through that. God mm. God moves in mysterious ways when He looks at a man or woman that has totally given over to the work of the Holy Ghost Amen. and the desire to see God's purpose fulfilled in their lives. You know, um, I feel like, Brother Greg, I feel like the whole everything, the whole Pentecostal movement, I feel like our movement, our organization, Australia, United States, whatever they are, uh, we're moving into a new realm. And there is a fresh anointing like I have never seen upon the people of God. Praise God. And I feel like God is, is opening. You know, I was looking at that scripture earlier. Um, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I can't remember exactly where I was reading that. But I was thinking about so many people that once knew the power of God. And, and that power was demonstrated in their life when they spoke, when they, you know, when they were ministering, um, but they have decided to be relevant and they don't want to offend people. Mm. But I feel like there is a rebirth of the spirit of God that's, that's going throughout the earth. And, and it's, I can't even tell you, Brother Greg. It's like something I've never known in my life. I just feel like, God, there's an awakening. There's, mm. There is something happening in yeah. the supernatural. Yeah, I agree. And, and for As those a young minister, I'm will, feeling the same. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same. For those, of, for those who say, I will not deny the power. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to just look the part. But I'm gonna and I'm going to apply the word and I'm gonna walk in it and live in it and 
I just, I'm excited. Anybody today that says, I really feel like I'm called to the ministry or whatever, I'm, well, I'm 100% behind them. <laughs> yeah, let's go, because there's so much work to be done. Amen. So much. Well, uh, on top of uh, your ministry as a, a preacher of the gospel, you're a gifted singer, songwriter, and musician. Uh, it's, you, you know, you've influenced the greater Pentecostal movement for, for decades. I was watching a clip it's got a whole bunch of views on youtube and i think it's you at music fest at ibc and i think that was uh-huh. in like the, yeah. the mid 90s <laughs> but you'd been going mm-hmm. at it for a number of years prior to that that was sort of like in the middle of of uh of your your ministry in that regard i was trying to find other songs online that you've written uh like your discography and that sort of thing what are some of your more noteworthy songs one of the ones i remember is uh, i didn't realize that you had written it it's gonna be worth worth it all you wrote that one. Yeah. It's going to be worth it all. Yeah, I, we sang that in my uh, church growing up. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, it's really. This has been happening that people are messaging me and saying, um, "My, my, this just happened. My grandson is in prison, but he remembered your song from the seventies." And and that song, this just happened two Sundays ago, and and that song, I was feeling absolutely hopeless, but that song brought me back. I remembered hearing her voice and singing or whatever, and he said, I just felt like God was going to move in my heart. He wow. was going to make a way for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, um, you know the story of when, uh, let's see, I think it's Samson, and he killed the lion, and then he came back, which he wasn't supposed to touch the dead animal, but... There was actually honey inside mm-hmm. of the bones of that lion, and it sustained him. And and I find that these songs that I've written 50 years ago, a lot of times I've forgotten them. But people will remind me. Some Lenny Wolf uh, sent me a letter last year and said something about a song, every time that you need him, you'll be there. And I said, I don't know that song. And he wrote me back. He said, you wrote it. And I said, no, I didn't. I didn't didn't write that song. So we had this thing going on. And finally he said, Marita recorded that song. There's a recording from Nashville. So he sent it to me and I was floored. I'd forgotten. Oh, wow. But I guess the thing that I'm trying to um, say is that sometimes our offerings in our lives that we, we we don't even think about it, Brother Greg. We're just serving the Lord. We're mm-hmm. just loving him. Yeah. But the things that I wrote years ago, songs that I wrote years ago, they're coming back today. And they they fill my heart. Praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. Praise the Lord. He's the sweetest name I know. Praise the Lord. He's a comfort to my soul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is that man in prison was blown away by that song. He remembered in the seventies, bringing hope to him today in May of 2022. And so I, I guess the benefits of belonging to Jesus and being his, giving your life to him, that the benefits don't end. Yeah, I, I want to tell this real quick. My mother, I don't know if you've heard this story, but um, in one of, um, mother was dying and, um, you know, she, she was, it was her last, I don't know if have you seen that, Brother Greg, her last video, worship. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I was in the recording, uh, Maya Hunley and Carol Green were at my house and they were holding her and holding her hands and singing with her. And I was videoing this little clip. So my husband put it on the day before my mom's funeral. The day after the funeral, he says, man, baby, I think this might be going viral. There's 32,000 views on this thing of your mom. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know what viral is. I don't even know what that means on social media, but I said, (laughs) so instantly, Brother Greg, I remembered when I was about nine or 10, standing in the hallway, listening to my mother in a, oh, intercession like like the paint i thought maybe the paint was melting off the walls it was heavy 
So she comes out and says, Oh, Nan, the Lord spoke to me and told me, One day I will minister to thousands. I'm going to sing to thousands. Well, Brother Greg, I we had a church of 25. I did not know how this was going to happen. And I looked at my mom and I'm like, Mom, you know, I, of course, but I didn't, I hadn't thought of it in over 60 years. And when my husband said, Betty, I think this has gone viral. There's 32,000. I immediately went back there and I thought of Elisha when he was promised a double portion, but he died before the 12th miracle. And you know the story, the, the Israeli army were surrounded. They threw that body of that man that had died and it landed on top of the bones of Elisha and it came out of that sepulcher alive. And the 12th miracle, the promise of God was fulfilled in the double portion. And I thought of my mother. God promised her that when I was Mm. nine or 10 years old. And 60 plus years later, that promise is fulfilled. And I just, I'm just overwhelmed that when we serve God and we give him everything and we just live for him faithful. His promises are true, Brother Greg. Yeah, they are. He's going to bring, and one more thing my mother said, I know I'm talking a lot about my mom, but she had, she's told me, I'm hungry, Nan. And I said, well, Mama, I made some chicken and rice. Do you want some? She said, oh, yeah, I'd love some. So I fed her about four or five bites, and then she lay back on the bed and went into a coma. So the next day, she'd been in a semi-coma. But Brother Greg, my mother raised up, all of a sudden just raised up off the bed and said, we've got to fight sin and be filled with the Spirit. Mm. And then she laid back on her bed and died. Wow. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? And that's the way I want to live my, I want to be a warrior woman of God. I want a war in the spirit to for the, the salvation of people, mm-hmm. for the, for the churches that need to be birthed. Brother Greg, I know in Australia and in, even in San Francisco Bay area here, we need people to plant churches, Yeah, we but it, it takes, it's, you gotta have some guts. Mm. To plant churches, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but not easy. my mother was a church planter. She said, "No, we're we're staying here. We're going to build this church." Amen. And uh, referencing that video, uh, I know you just said thirty-two thousand, but it's got over millions of views now, right? That video. It's got six point nine million. Wow, that's six point nine million. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. So when God does it, He does it big. He does it big. He takes he care does of it. it. Amen. Wow. Uh, I wanted to ask you this one uh, about music in particular. Can you talk about, and and you've kind of touched on it a little bit throughout this conversation, but can you talk about the importance of the anointing when it comes to worship leading, when it comes to playing? Because, I mean, that's, that's the... That's the thing everyone says about Nancy Granquist. When, when they hear you play, when they hear you sing, they can feel the anointing. And there's a difference. There's a difference between someone who is a great singer and someone who is a, a great singer but is an anointed singer. Would you mind uh, talking about that for a moment? I, I feel like an anointed life, an anointed ministry, an anointed minstrel, music, whatever, I feel like at the very core of that is a pure heart, Mm. not a perfect heart because we're humanity, brother Greg. Yeah. But, but a a heart that is broken by the things that break the heart of God and that our lives are, we know brokenness and we, Mm. out of that brokenness, we let that beautiful essence of the healing anointing oil of our life flow out of us. Mm. I just try to be real and authentic, Brother Greg, in my music. I, I, I was on Mark Lowry's show last week. And, um, and we were, he asked me, he wanted to do the old Pentecostal songs, you know, 
Yeah. And so we did. And there was a few minutes where we were crying and, you know, the presence of the Lord came in so beautifully. It doesn't matter where you are. If you, if you live so close to him, I mean, it's not even a thought, Brother Greg. I, I am so aware of his presence and I can just sit down at a piano and play a chord and just weep mm. in his presence. I, I think God looks for not perfection, but I think he, he, like, I feel pitiful. Like, I need God so much, Brother Greg, probably more than anybody else that you know. I need God more. Mm. And I'm not afraid to tell people that. I need God. I need his love. I need him. To, I need his righteousness. And this is something I say every day, Brother Greg. God, wrap me in your righteousness. Wrap me in, let me walk in your righteousness because without righteousness, no man will see God. Amen. Yeah. And so I desire his presence. I desire, I meditate on his word every day. And you know, when you have little kids running around, it's pretty hard to meditate on anything. <laughs> it is, yes. But, but even, even just... <clears throat> I don't know, just to even say a phrase of a scripture out loud in your house, it, it relinquishes the sweetest essence of the Lord's presence in our mm -hmm. homes. We don't have to preach a sermon. We could just say, oh, I'm casting all my care upon you, Lord, for you care for us. And when we say that word, our children feel safe. Our children like, oh, Daddy knows Jesus or mama knows Jesus. Mm. That's so good. It's so important that our life, it, it really does pour out of the essence of yeah. his presence. And yeah, that's the, what I think anointing is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's an outflow uh, of something that's taken place before you ever got on the stage, before you ever got be, behind an instrument. It's a, it's an outflow of, of what God is doing is. in your life. And I think it's yes. key that that point that you made about brokenness, you know, anointing tends to flow out of the broken areas of our life. And yeah, that's, it's profound. It's one thing to read books about walking with the Lord and knowing him out of, you know, brokenness or whatever, but it's another thing when you know the crushing, you know, mm -hmm. that scripture that says, uh, the, the, broken and contrite spirit the lord will not turn away that contrite word i think it's in the greek means splinter and when that means absolutely there is nothing left you know in the context of that word it's like ah this is this has come apart in every way but out of, out of that place of deep crushing and brokenness is the sweetest knowing him. There's nothing as precious as being in that place with him. And that's what I think is so profound to people, Brother Greg, when, when we're with people, they don't even know what it is. They don't yeah. know. But it is the broken places of our lives that really flow to people and they're drawn to the Lord and they, you know, they, they find healing, they find hope, you know? And so that's, that's my greatest, you know, my greatest desire is to bring that hope to people mm. from whatever I've known in my life. Yeah. I just wanted to expound on that just for a moment when you're talking about brokenness, because uh, obviously throughout your ministry throughout your time, um, you know, you're, you would have experienced trials and hard times, as you said, brokenness. How have you been able to stay faithful all of these years? I think that's so important for, for younger, uh, ministers, younger leaders, you know, it doesn't matter what your age is, but to, to hear from some of our elders, how it is that they're able to stay faithful all of these years. 
Well, first of all, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon him. And and J- Jesus in the Old Testament course that was uh, Isaiah. But but the prophetic word of what Jesus would know is an example to us, Brother Greg. We are going to know betrayal. We are going we are going to know hurt and pain and suffering and sorrow. It's part of what we are called to know if we really would know him. Yeah. But in I mean, uh one of the hardest things in the world is to love wide open and then no betrayal. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest things, but Christ exampled that for us, even by his own, his disciples. But I feel like in times of great crisis and great loss and, and um, great heartache that we that Richard Am and I have been through. We've been married 53 years this year. And mm. we have known times that I could hardly breathe. But Brother Greg, in those times, I built altars from those sorrows and that crushing and those betrayals and all that hurt and all the loss. And the things that have come to us, I just built altars and I worshiped God. I didn't understand. I'm not saying I, I did on some things we may never understand. The old song, we'll understand it better by and by. I sure hope so. Because there's some stuff that comes to us and I have no clue what is happening. But I do know one thing, that Jesus is the rock of our lives that we can count on. He is going to take us through no matter what. And so I worship him for his faithfulness. Someone said, how could you be so joyful? You've just had this loss. You've just, you know, this, you know, your life is in a wreck. This is two years ago. Someone said, how could you do that? And I said, I am rejoicing in my salvation. I know that he is the God of my salvation and I can rejoice that I am living in him, that I am being preserved in his, underneath his wings and that he is my portion. I can rejoice in that, that I'm, I'm in that place with him. He has set me in the cleft of the rock, covered me with his hand. And I, that's what I can read. You know, look, look at all the betrayal. Look at your life. What a wreck. I mean, you know, people you thought, you trusted, you loved, whatever. Yeah, Jesus did too. And so I am going, I'm forgiving those people. I'm blessing those people. That's what we do. That's what we are taught to do. To pray blessings. Something happens to us, Brother Greg. When we get to that place, when we've got a the spirit of forgiveness, we have a spirit. We're merciful. Mm. We we're not we are not the judge. We're not the lawyer. We're a child of God, and we seek His face, and we build altars in times of disappointment, in times of discouragement. We build an altar to God, and we worship Him for His faithfulness, and for the joy of our salvation. Man, that's so good. You know, it, it doesn't matter what we go through as a child of God. The fact that we are a child of God, it's just, yes. it should be enough, you know? It should be enough. And It is. It and is Sometimes enough. it's hard for us to to um, rest in that. Sometimes it's hard for us to yeah. just rest in the fact that we are his child and he's going to take care of us because, you know, we're like anyone else. We've, we've got ambitions. We have things that we want to do. We have things we feel like God is wanting us to do, uh, but sometimes we just have to rest in the fact that um, that we are His child and, and worship Him for that that the joy of our salvation. Amen. That's it. And you know the other thing we got to remember: we are human. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we are human. 
and we're yeah. you know we're gonna have that I, I, a few weeks ago i was going through something and i just got up and i said no weapon formed against me can prosper and all, i was just preaching that scripture all over the house i was by myself but i was <laughs> like no, no. <laughs> so sometimes we do have to preach to ourselves yeah and sometimes i, I like what you said earlier when you're talking about speaking out promises of God or speaking out scriptures out loud, you know, um, out loud. Yeah. So our ears hear it. Exactly. Exactly. Your ears hear it. And, and, uh, the atmosphere hears it as well. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, yeah. we're made in the image of God. He is a speaking God and it's not enough sometimes just to know it in your brain. Sometimes you have to speak it out into reality. And, and, Yes, and the other thing is that I have been doing for people, uh, just different friends or whatever. I'm I'm saying declare that word. Mm. If if you feel like God is putting that in your spirit, declare that word. We're going to have a powerful, mighty move of the Spirit of God. My family is coming back to the household of faith. I know God is going to take care of this legal matter. I know God is going to bless us financially. Declare those things. Mm. Speak it with your word. Your your words are so powerful because every, you know, the the scripture that says whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven, whatever is loose. Yep. When we declare the promises of God, they live. Mm. They live. Yeah. And I think that also is uh, I know this is not necessarily along the lines of what we're going to talk about, but I think that's also why music is so important and so powerful and the lyrics are so powerful as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you, when you are singing the promises of God, when you're singing the word of God and declaring it, you know, in worship and praise, and it's not just a bunch of words thrown together because they rhyme, but it's because, you know, this right. is an actual, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go too far yes. down that rabbit hole, but, uh, <laughs> okay. I might right. get some people upset with me, but yeah. um, <laughs> I just I think it's important to have the word of God in, in some of your in some of your lyrics when you're worshiping and praising. Amen. Well, I I didn't realize in so many of the songs that I've written how many of them they're just they are just straight worship to God. And then yeah. when I go back and I sing, I'm just like, well. You know, this is, I mean, a lot of them are written to the church or written, you know, whatever. But um, I'm just they're thankful that I've been able to pen yeah. worship songs. And they're rich with scripture they are. When I was going back and listening to them, yeah, it, it's, yeah, they're, they're real, real songs. But, um, you know, I think your sweet step, I think your, I think she wrote like, when I was there years ago, I sung, um, let your light shine through me, fill me with your love so all the world can see that um, it's your spirit that set me free. Let me walk in the light of your love shine through me. I think your Steph wrote a verse to that. Oh, wow. So her and I wrote a song together. <laughs> I don't oh, know I'm, if she sings it I'll anymore. have to quiz her about that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to ask you this final question be, before we finish up. I like to ask this to anyone who comes on the podcast. It just, yeah, I, I, I just love to hear their answer to this question. What drives you when it comes to ministry, when it comes to doing the things of God, when it comes to living a life uh, of ministry? What is it that is that driving force for you? Oh, my goodness. I want to please God. I want, when I get there, Brother Greg, he's not going to ask me, you know, did you have 500 in your church? Or did you have 1,000 or 100? It's not it. He's going to say, you have been faithful over a few things. Mm. I just want to be faithful and I want to be an inspiration. I want to make disciples out of, you know, everywhere I go, I'm looking for somebody that I can love to Jesus. And I think that's the call of most Christians lives is to love God and love people yeah. and be his heart, be his end. During the uh, 
the COVID, you know, pandemic, I cooked for a hundred people every week and I took wow. it out on the freeways, encampments. I had street service. I brought my keyboard. We set up, we had church every week. And that was for that time. I just felt led. That's, that's what God wanted. And, and I think that our hearts are open. If our hearts are open, he will lead us to what we're supposed to be doing. But I, I'm just, I'm inspired to be a part of anything God's doing. Mm. Whatever that is. I just want to show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be involved. Amen. I do too. I'm going to show up. You need me to sweep that floor? Give me, where's the broom? I'll do it. I just, whatever it is for the break, I just want to, and I want to be an inspiration to people. Somebody sitting over there in the chair, they're 70 and they feel like, well, my life is done. You know, I'm, I'm just going to sit here because I, I'm not really significant. That's not true. Get a broom and help me. Mm. I want to inspire people. Do your best. Show up. Make a difference in the world we're living in. Shine. Yeah, I love that. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for your, your time today. Uh, I really have uh, appreciated you and I know the listeners will as well. And thank you for your openness. It's been a, a privilege of mine to have you on the podcast here today. But uh, in conclusion, I want to give you an opportunity to share a word with the listeners, something that God has laid on your heart specifically for the podcast. And then uh, you can take us out from there. But thank you again, Sister Graham Quist, for, for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Brother Greg. Well, I would like to just... Um maybe offer my blessing. This is a prayer I prayed over my children when they were growing up. I actually have young pastors, young women. I, I have people that call me up and say, will you just pray the blessing mm. over my life? So if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> it's adapted from number six. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee and make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. May you rest in the arms of the holy God of Israel. May you wear his righteousness, walk his ways, love his laws. May you serve the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. May he keep you from all sickness, disease, or harm. And may you always know the love, the favor, and the blessing of God upon your lives. May you always walk close to his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>